You're listening to the replay of Cowboy State Politics Live from November 17th. And there's intimacy on the radio, and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. And welcome to yet another scintillating installment of Cowboy State Politics Live. From high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. I've got a guest today. Thanks to the closed highways and the and the blizzard that hit Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm joined today by Aaron Nab. Good morning, Aaron. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for getting snowed in. Yeah, I appreciate it. So we've got a great program for you today, but I want to begin uh, with yesterday's program. If you'll remember, there was a there was a discussion of what uh, Dave Kinski had to say at the Republican Women of Sheridan County. Now, here's what I said leading up to it. Moderate ...who has decided that the positions he held last year are probably not going to resonate with Wyoming citizens is Senator Dave Kinski of Sheridan and Johnson Counties. Earlier this week, I attended a Republican Women of Sheridan County luncheon in which he gave some comments. Here's what he had to say, and I want you to listen close, because this is very different than what we've heard from Senator Kinski before. Now, keep in mind, if he wasn't going to follow through on what it is that he was saying, he would not have given this speech in front of the Republican women of Sheridan County. If you didn't know, they're a pretty formidable bunch, and nobody wants to be on their bad side. So that's what I said yesterday. Now, my intent was to cast Senator Kinski's comments in a favorable light, because though he really hasn't been all that conservative in the past, that day he was. And you wouldn't be, he wouldn't have said the things that he said in front of that audience if he didn't really believe them. Well, here's just a portion of what Senator Kinski had to say. Parents must have a right to choose to choose what is best for their child in the education and to have say and input into that. To choose not to have their children indoctrinated in subject matter they find objectionable, whether it's critical race theory or diversity, equity, or inclusion, or a host of other politically correct acronyms. Parents have the right to expect that if their child goes into the school library or your local library, that they will not find materials that are absolutely inappropriate for children. Now you will hear, you will hear some say that this is about discrimination and it's not. We wish no ill will to anybody. You will hear some say that this is about book burning. It's not. Nobody seeks to tell adults what they can read. This is about making sure that children, our children, are protected from what we deem to be absolutely inappropriate. That also includes the right 
to have our daughters play sports against other girls and not by If you didn't know, because you weren't there, I was one of the people that was applauding Senator Kinski. So what I should have said yesterday was, bravo, right on, good job, Senator. Now, here's how I finished up. Yes, here's my comments after um, I played the, the uh, speech by Dave Kinski yesterday. Now, tell me, which part of that do you disagree with? None of it. It is very different than some of the things we've seen Senator Kinski vote on. But Senator Kinski's not dumb. He's a smart guy. And he heard loud and clear what Wyoming citizens told the legislature. And again, he wouldn't have given that speech if he didn't mean it in front of that crowd. If there's any group in Wyoming that will hold you accountable to what you tell them, it is the Republican women of Sheridan County. So I tend to believe what Senator Kinski said. So like I said, the whole point was right on, let's go. Dave Kinski did exactly what all of our representatives ought to be doing. That when they're given a message by the electorate, they're to respond to what the electorate wants them to do. And it's been very clear the last couple of years that Wyoming citizens want a change in Cheyenne. They want representatives that will listen to them about what's happening in school with spending, with vaccine mandates or mask mandates, or you can fill out the list yourself. But the whole point is that Wyoming citizens want to be listened to. And that's exactly what Dave Kinski was doing. Now, again, we can argue with what Dave did in the past, but this time he's right on. So if you'll notice, I led with that story. It's because here at Cowboy State Politics, we always lead with our mistakes. And I'm not saying that I made a mistake because I most definitely didn't. I just wanted to clear that up for everyone, that I appreciated what Senator Kinski had to say. And I think that he did a good job. And, and I'm sure that he'll follow through with it, because if not... Well, the Sheridan County Republican women will hoist him on his own pretard. So, Aaron, what do you have to what do what do you think about what the senator had to say? I felt, I mean, everything he was saying, he was pretty confident behind. Um, it meant everything he was saying. I, and that's just me going off of really looking into somebody and um, seeing how much effort and meaning they're putting behind everything. And um, I think he, yeah, everything he was saying was true, and he will he will do. Well, I certainly hope so. You know, he was ringing the conservative bell pretty hard. And I mean, you only I only played a small portion of what he had to say, but he talked about guns and and all and a whole bunch of different things. And you could hear the applause from the crowd there in Sheridan. So anyway, I'm glad we have that cleared up. We begin this morning with the Casper City Council thinking that they have to have a hate crime law. And I quote. From the, from the Red Star, by the way. Oh, yeah, I get to play my favorite thing. <laughs> An article written by Mary Stirr entitled Casper Hate Crimes Ordinance Advances as Discussion Continues. And I quote, The ordinance, ordinance was originally recommended by the city's LGBTQ Advocate Advisory Committee. The committee told Casper City Council members that the measure could help curb the widespread discrimination LGBTQ people and other minority groups face in the community. During the ordinance's second reading on Tuesday, city council members voted to add definitions, a definition section to the proposal, which clarified terms like gender identity and gender expression. Get a load of this one. That section defines gender identity as one's internal sense of gender. In essence, how individuals perceive themselves and communicated usually by what would one would call themselves, end quote. Well, Aaron, how in the devil do I know how someone else perceives themselves? Basically how they may have looked, but... How do you know? But really, you don't... Going off how people perceive themselves, you do not know because, I mean, that's one thing I, I've got going on. You know, I put out with me, people always think, you know, they only see snippets of what's going on, but they don't see the whole picture. The only person, people that see the whole picture of somebody's life is them and God. Well, that's exactly the point. There is no way another person could know how somebody else perceives themselves. And here the Casper City Council is trying to pass an ordinance saying that it's a crime. 
if you disagree with how someone perceives themselves. And what I'm getting at here is this is an attempt to criminalize thought, which is exact, exactly the motivation behind every hate crime law. If you'll remember last year in the legislature, in the legislature, in the Judiciary Committee, they were debating a biased motivated crime law, which is yet, yet another hate crime law. Now, what ensued in the committee hearing was nothing less than shameful. And if you're a longtime listener to Cowboy State Politics, you'll remember this soundbite. But here it is. And by the way, this is the part that I could play on the air. The vast majority of what was said in that committee hearing, I refused to play simply because it's just not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. But here's what was said in the Judiciary Committee last year. Since there aren't any anti-hate crime laws, they are very limited. Wyoming is one of three states that has no anti-hate crime laws. You would think a lynching that happened in this state would be the reason that an anti-hate crime bill was passed, but no. This state has a history of racism and hate crime. Do you want this state to be always to always be remembered by those same events that took place? It is 2021. It is time we change the state. How many times do we have to sit here and wait for you to do something to protect us legislation-wise? You always push it away because you are biased by being mostly white and not accepting the fact that these laws weren't meant for you to ever ignore. We are tired of being ignored and pushed out because it doesn't fit your agenda. You are elected by the people to serve the people. We are the people. Why do you, people of color have to depend on white people to be protected? Why do we have to face our oppressors to be protected? Why do we have to beg to be protected? At this point, we might as well start calling all of y'all masses. Yeah, this is nothing but um, putting band-aids band on a wound. Um, and that's what I mean look at a lot of the issues with trying to push all these anti-discrimination laws, race laws, whatever it may be, instead of going and checking to see what the, or acknowledging what the issue is and fixing that issue. Let's just make some bills and laws and ordinances to put a bandaid on a wound that actually needs to be stitched up and addressed. Yeah. I mean that, that whole committee hearing was just a, a disaster. And what, just to give you a little bit of context, the, there were some students from the University of Wyoming that were testifying in front of the Judiciary Committee. And I mean, they dropped the F-bomb several times. They used the N-word several times. They focused all of their all of their comments on the legislators that were sitting there behind the bench. They weren't talking about the issue. They were talking about the people who happened to be white in the room. I mean, it was absolutely disgraceful. So what I'm getting at here is that hate crime laws seek to criminalize speech and thought is that there's no way that any of those people that you just heard um, knew what the legislators were thinking. In fact, the legislators, legislators were trying to do a good thing, even though the bill that they were discussing would have criminalized thought. The truth is the only freedom of speech that you really have is the freedom to be offended. Let me repeat that. The only freedom of speech that you actually have is to be offended. That is, if we value free speech, we have to allow for the things that we find absolutely distasteful. And when you try to write into statute or ordinance that, uh, you know, things like uh, one's internal sense of gender or what what people perceive themselves to be, well, there's no way that you can quantify that. And so what you're trying to do, what you will end up doing is allowing people to file suit over just about anything because somebody looked at you wrong. Because, and one of the things that we've seen in the workplace recently is, and not just recently, um, over the past 10 to 15 years, is that when, when somebody gives a coworker a compliment well, then that coworker says, well, you know, they were coming on to me. For example, um, you know, if I were to say to a female coworker, hey, you have, that's a really nice dress. You look really nice today. Well, she could report that to human resources. And then there's a sexual harassment suit. You see, the problem here is that we're trying to, we're trying to legislate what people think and believe. And quite frankly, it, it never works out that way. Here's another soundbite that I think that you may or may not have heard. This is from a movie called No Safe Spaces, and it's from Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla, and they traveled around to different universities around the country. And their, their movie, No Safe Spaces, it begins, one of the first college campuses they show in the movie is the University of Wyoming. Here's a soundbite from that movie. We're on the way to the airport, which is uh, where I do much of my life, the airport. You know, I go to all sorts of, of campuses from Berkeley to Columbia and, and everything in between. So 
you know, my hope is it's Wyoming. It's a pretty conservative state. All will be peaceful and tranquil. It all began when students invited a special guest to speak about socialism. Yeah, that's right, Aaron. We were on campus tonight as hundreds lined up to see Dennis Prager speak about his views. But before he even arrived to campus, other students who did not agree tried to stop his appearance. We're essentially here because we don't agree with Mr. Prager's views at all. He has said many hurtful things and hateful rhetoric towards underrepresented communities, of which Wyoming does has many beautiful, diverse communities. In the case of the University of Wyoming, it was precious. Dennis Prager noted, which was a compliment, note, <laughs> noted bigot, racist, homophobe, sexist, Islamophobe, and anti-Semite. <laughs> I, I swear to God. So word got out to the person who clearly knew me well. Uh, it's probably worth dropping anti-Semite. The guy is a, is a well-known Jew, written books on Judaism, etc. So they dropped that without a word of apology, needless to say. They just dropped it, but everything else remained. It's, it's ironic that, you know, the Los Angeles Times would, would call you bigoted because what you do is the opposite of bigoted, which is I don't care who's listening. I will simply speak the truth as I know it to you versus a version that is meant for this color and that group and the LGBT community. Dennis is the most decent moral person I've ever met. And thus, he does not have this animus in his heart. So he's able to be. So not even the people that are protesting Dennis Prager even know anything really about him. Now, if you watch the movie, um, there's an activist right outside. And I think they're the. The appearance was at Arena Auditorium at the University of Wyoming. But you can watch the activist, and he has really no idea who Dennis Prager is or what he stands for. He just says, well, he said some hurtful things. Well, people say hurtful things all of the time. That doesn't make them bigots, nor does it make them make, make mean that they violated your rights in any way, shape, or form. You see, we have to get back to a place where we believe in truth. So much we see in the mainstream media, and very much so in the Wyoming media, is things that are uh, reports that are absolutely not true. Everything that you, every article that you see has its own political bent to it. You don't just see facts, you see opinion. And opinions, opinions differ from facts in that, you know, you can, you're entitled to your own opinions, as Ronald Reagan said, you're just not entitled to your own facts. And when we start venturing into the world of, worrying about people's feelings and criminalizing thought well we just we just go further down the road of you know um, getting away from things that are true this leads to all sorts of things books in in classrooms for example not that long ago on an episode of cowboy state politics i played an interview with a parent whose child attends cheyenne south high school now in her sociology class they showed a movie called uh, growing up trans there was a six-year-old boy in the movie saying that he's transitioning to a girl. If you go on and watch the movie, which I don't suggest, I mean, it's it, it was hard for me to watch the whole thing. Um, but the things that are taught in that movie in a sociology class in a Wyoming classroom could be disproven if they just went down the hallway to the biology lab and picked up any book off the shelf. So speaking of South High, I, I just got word this week that there's a group of students working to start a trans club. Um, I have no problem with that. No, but there and there's also there's people or kids working to start a furry club. If anybody knows, I might have a problem with how that. Furries are it's a whole sexualization, some um, off the wall deal that people do, but they're you know trying to put that in South High. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, the, the Wyoming Education Association has testified before a legislative committee saying that none of this stuff is in Wyoming high schools and it has no place in Wyoming high schools. And the truth of the matter is that it is in Wyoming high schools. We're, we're teaching children things that aren't true. We're not teaching them facts and we're, we're leading them astray, all for the sake of people's feelings. Now, when we come back, I'm going to play you what a Casper City Councilman said about this ordinance.
You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com. There you can find all of the shows as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Sleepy Joe Biden and you really have no idea what type of pudding you had for lunch, well, I really can't help you with that. But if you go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, you can pull up an article that will explain why you shouldn't be president, as if any of us ever had any doubt about that. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning, and then every Thursday at 10 a.m., Cowboy State Politics Live. You know, the program you're listening to right now. I cover mostly national issues on the Thursday program. You know, the stuff that we don't get to at other, t other points during the week. You can find the link to the live program at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. So, check out all the Cowboy State Politics episodes every single week. And now, back to the program. During first reading of this ridiculous ordinance, one Casper City Councilman objected to the whole proceeding. You're going to love what he has to say. As most of you know, if you saw the paper even, um, I am not in favor of this amendment or this ordinance. Um, in the second paragraph of our Declaration of Independence, it says that all men are created equal. Men was the term for the 1700s. Today, that would read, all people are created equal. We also have, as Judge Nakbar mentioned, the 14th Amendment for equal protection. To me, part of this ordinance is nothing more than some of the old divide and conquer. You are trying to split up people into groups and classes, and that isn't what we're supposed to be trying to do. We are supposed to be trying to bring people together. I agree with everybody here that has said dignity and respect is what we need. You cannot legislate dignity and respect. That has to come from within. And as Councilwoman Ingbretson mentioned, if people are going to go out and hate, they're still going to go out and hate. And a $750 fine is probably not going to make them stop and think about it. Exactly right. It's too bad that the rest of the city council members in Casper didn't listen to what he had to say. Because the history of Wyoming is, is one of equality. And it's not just because that's the state's motto, the equality state. It's because you can travel to any museum in the state of Wyoming, and you'll find pictures of... Black cowboys working on white ranches, of white cowboys look, working on black ranches, of Basque people working on both ranches. The truth is, in Wyoming, we really don't care what color you are or you know <laughs> what uh, who you choose to marry or any of that stuff. The only thing that we really care about is that you are who you say you are and that you're a good person. That is what we need to be focused on, not all of this dumb hate crime business. Moving on, we had an announcement from the former president of the United States. Here's a little soundbite from it. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. This will not be my campaign. This will be our campaign altogether. Because the only force strong enough to defeat the massive corruption we are up against is you, the American people. Yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, I always knew he'd probably, you know, run again. Um, I, from my looking at the whole entire situation for 2024 regarding Trump being in there 
him and a DeSantis ticket is the best case um, scenario for this country. Um, just to keep the Republican Party together, um, for one, if things were got half people going for DeSantis, vice versa for Trump. But Trump has a lot of good qualities and work left to do. I um, mean, help him kind of go on his retirement way and help DeSantis build up for a 2028 presidential run with whoever um, be his teammate for VP. I really liked his speech. In fact, I think it was exactly what he needed to do. I mean, he needed to leave the 2020 election in the past, and we all know that he hasn't. And neither neither should any of us, by the way. Uh, but in the speech, he focused on the future. And I think that the best thing that he possibly could have ever said is, this isn't my campaign. This is your campaign. Because one of the things that President Trump is a master at is, is speaking directly to what he calls the forgotten men and women. And as we all know from the last two years, what's happening in Washington, D.C. has nothing to do with the, with the forgotten man or the forgotten women. W- women. I mean, it has everything to do with a leftist Marxist agenda. And so I'm happy that President Trump is in the race, and I knew that he wasn't going to be able to keep himself out of it. I want to add something on to that because the, the media is not putting it out there. You know, they say, oh, it's such a big loss for um, Trump-endorsed candidates, but he had 220-plus um, endorsements win their positions and only lost 22 of them. So, exactly right. Um, that needs to be really be thought on because it's not being – the media is not – you know, they said – you know, media saying obviously the complete opposite. Um, and people need well, to yeah, think they're about they're that. focusing on the high profile races exactly. of, where people lost, and they're they're not paying attention to the two two hundred odd some races that he actually won or the candidates that actually won. So, <clears throat> just had a user comment. Um, my guest today is Aaron Nab. He snowed in in Buffalo, Wyoming, and so he called me and. I said, well, why don't you come on the program since you have nothing better to do in the frozen waste? So I hope that answers your question, Linda. Moving on. Apparently, Cynthia Lummis doesn't believe in marriage. Oh, I know that she's married and she probably believes in that, but she doesn't necessarily believe in the definition of marriage. To the 1828, marriage is defined as, and I quote, The act of uniting a man and woman for life. Wedlock, the legal union of a man and a woman for life. Marriage is a contract, both civil and religious, by by which the parties engage to live together in mutual affection and fidelity till death shall separate them. Marriage was instituted by God himself for the purpose of preventing the promiscuous intercourse of the sexes, for promoting domestic facility, and for securing the maintenance and education of children. Now, that's just the first definition. There's a whole column that goes on and on about what marriage is. Now, of course, what I'm referring to is the bill that passed the the Wyoming, or not the Wyoming Senate, the U.S. Senate or yesterday, I think it was, wasn't it, Aaron? Yeah. And uh, from the Red Star, in an article entitled, Lummis Votes to Advance Same-Sex Marriage Protections by Maya Shimzu Harris on yesterday, November 16th. And I quote, Legislation to protect same-sex and interracial marriages. Interracial marriages? Yeah, we got to add that in for um, to split things up even more. Well, wait a minute. Aren't those already legal? <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of years. Huh. Anyway, continuing on. Crossed a major Senate hurdle Wednesday, putting Congress on track to take, a, take the historic step of ensuring that such unions are enshrined in federal law. Twelve Republicans voted with all the Democrats to move forward on the legislation. By the way, Cynthia Lummis voted for it and John Barrasso did not, meaning a final vote could come early as this week or later this month. The Respect for Marriage Act, and I I want you to pay particular attention to the title because this is no different than the Inflation Reduction Act. It actually means the exact opposite of what the title is. Anyway, the Respect for Marriage Act was brought forth in response to concerns that the U.S. Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade over the summer cleared a path to chip away at same-sex marriage and other rights. Well, first of all, Roe v. Wade didn't ban abortion. The only thing, or the, uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade did not ban abortion. Rather, it turned it back to the states. It's a Tenth Amendment issue that all things that are uh, not specifically mentioned in the Constitution are left up to the states. So each state can decide whether or not they're going to allow abortion. Moving on. 
It would create federal protections for same-sex and interracial marriages, in addition to repealing the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act, which recognizes marriage as being between a man and a woman, and holds that states aren't obligated to recognize same-sex marriages performed in other states. Now, Aaron, before before we got started this morning, you had some pretty pretty strong views on this whole topic, so I'll just let you go on it. I mean, you know, people want to get people can already get married at the same sex. And why do we need to add the racial bias to it? Because that's not an issue. And the only reason that they're adding that into is to basically bully people into voting for it to. Yeah. If you don't vote for this, you're a bigot. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's how they're just trying to basically have more control over conservatives. You know, if you don't vote this way, you know, we're going to say, yeah, you're a racist, you're a bigot this is a pointless bill. It's just a bill to, um, well, I don't put, I don't, a, put a target on people. If need be. Well, I don't think it's pointless at all. I mean, I think the whole point is to further erode, um, the, uh, the religious connotation well, that yeah, marriage that, has, yeah. you know, the whole, like what marriage is, is a covenant between a man and a woman and God. And it doesn't really matter if you're, if you're an atheist or an agnostic or anything like that, the, the actual marriage is a religious ceremony. That's what it is. Now in Wyoming, same-sex um, unions are absolutely illegal, albeit from a court decision, but it's a law nonetheless. So same-sex couples can already um, have a civil union in Wyoming because that was Wyoming's choice, the court in Wyoming anyway, and there's nothing stopping other states from doing the same thing. But in my mind, this uh, the attempt behind this bill is twofold. First of all, it's to erode states' rights. It's to erode the idea that states can make up their own mind on any given issue that is not specifically mentioned in the Constitution. So it's the federal government trying to exercise more control over state decisions. And secondly, it's to further erode the religious connotations that we have, not just to marriage, but for anything else. In the Wyoming Constitution, Article 7, Section 20 says that it is it is the duty of the legislator, legislature to maintain the morality of the state. Well, where does morality come from? It become it comes from our beliefs and ethics, which are which are informed from the Bible. That's where we get most of the ideas, the Ten Commandments and all of that stuff. So the whole point here is to to further erode the the influence that the church has on on politics. Now, just about everybody has heard the phrase of the separation of church and state. But do you know where that comes from? Do you know, Aaron? No. No? It's one of those things that's been um, taken completely taken out of context. Well, it has been. And actually, that phrase, thanks for playing along with me, by the way. I know that you know that. <laughs> um, but it comes from an 180 letter from Thomas Jefferson written to the Danbury Baptists. And what was happening here is the, the Baptists in Danbury thought that with the signing of the Constitution, and specifically the First Amendment, that they were going to be forced to become Catholic. And so they, read, they wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson going, whoa, 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 we don't know about this Constitution business. We don't want to be Catholic. And so Thomas Jefferson wrote them a letter. And I'm just going to read you the, the paragraph. It says, quote, Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, which he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship, that the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. I contemplate with sovereign reverence that the act of the whole American people which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state." Now, what Thomas Jefferson means here is, is not that religion can't be involved in government, because it most definitely is, that Congress can make no law respecting religion. Now, if you've ever been inside the Capitol Rotunda in Washington, D.C., there are paintings that are all along the wall, all the way around the thing. And in every single painting, you will find someone praying, you will find a Bible, you will find somebody preaching. Our religious foundations are very much a part of American government. But of course, if you're a leftist Marxist, you can't have that. Because when people are when when people are religious and they believe in God, then government is not the all-powerful authority. You see, if you're a Marxist, you can't have that because 
you will never have ultimate authority over a person's freedom. You have to eliminate the religious aspect of anything that you're doing. And that is specifically what this, quote, respect for marriage act is. And by the way, if they had any respect for marriage, they'd stay the heck away from it. When we come back, we're going to dive into this whole business about the Laramie County Republican Party. Oh, I know. I can't get enough of Danny Olson. First, a completely obscene profit timeout. This segment of the program is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or a roping arena or a, maybe a giant warehouse, well, then you need to call my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings, 307-674-2532. These guys are the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. You've probably seen a lot of their work as you've been traveling the highways and byways of Wyoming and not even known it because their work stands the test of time. So it doesn't really matter what type of building you're interested in. Give Nick and Jesse a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. I just looked out the window, and it is a snowy, cold winter wonderland. And I really just don't want to go outside. Well, part of the reason is my feet get cold faster than any other part of my on my body. And once my feet are cold, well, then it's all day long I'm trying to warm up. I recently found socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. And I'm telling you, my friends, these are the warmest socks that I think that I've ever worn. A couple weeks ago, I was up on the mountain hunting, and I had my Buffalo Wool Company socks on, and I never even put on my snow boots all weekend long. I just wore my tennis shoes. I mean, I'm telling you, these are awesome. So if you're like me and you have trouble keeping your feet warm, maybe you should try out some socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. Go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com, and keep those little tootsies of yours warm. And now... Back to the program. Many of you probably saw an article in the cow pie, which, by the way, I'm still searching for a proper theme song for it. I was thinking cow patty, but I mean, it's just not, not catchy enough. So if you can think of a good song that specifically... Uh, or, or really captures the essence of what the cow pie is. I'd love to know. Anyway, from an article entitled Feud Between State GOP and Laramie County Republican Party Escalates by Trotsky Wolfson. And I quote, Owing the, the Wyoming Republican Party more than $12,000 in unpaid membership dues, they're actually called shares, the state GOP will charge Laramie County members uh, $30 each to participate in future state party meetings. At the state GOP Central Committee meeting in Casper on Saturday, the party escalated a feud between county and state-level groups. All right, now this whole thing requires some context. But before we, before I give that to you, I want to give Aaron, Aaron a chance to uh, um, chime in on this one and just give us his opinion of the Laramie County GOP. Drama? Um, yeah, Drama and chaos a lot of times is I mean what I've been, you know, noticing ever since I've, you know, come across it and um just I just put up pay the bills, um, get it done with, move on. Um Well that's that's exactly the point. They yeah, won't pay the bill. Just pay the bill. I mean, it's it's what you're supposed to be. You're part of an organization, that's what you do. Um, and then, you know, going back and saying you're gonna charge um precinct members or people to, you know, attend meetings and this and that of your own, um, GOP County GOP, you know, that's going way out there. But I mean, I can see where the state GOP is doing that because LC GOP is, um, gone on so many years, not paying anything. Yeah. The truth is this whole thing has been going on for about three years and it started ever since the, uh, the red coats, the frontier Republicans, as I refer to them sometimes, uh, lost power with the state GOP. 
the conservatives took over about three years ago. And right now, there are 72 Central Committee members, and only about 13 of them are, are these redcoats. So from the very beginning, they decided that they, weren't, they just weren't going to pay their dues. From the article, or their share, excuse me, from the article, and I quote, the state GOP approved a measure to charge Laramie County's three committee members roughly $30 a person to participate in future meetings. The revenue generated from the fees will go toward paying the county party's outstanding debt of $12,099. The $30 rate may fluctuate from meeting to meeting and is merely a rough estimate based on the $2,000 cost to, ho to host the party's central committee meeting in September. Divided nine voting members, there's actually 72, uh, then rounded up to $30. Now, like I said, this has been going on for a long time. Every single central committee meeting that I have been to this issue has come up simply because Laramie County refuses to pay. Now, last November, there was a dust up at a Laramie County GOP event between Ben Hornock, who is the who is a representative elect from Cheyenne, and Danny Olson, the chairwoman of the Laramie County GOP. Take a listen to this. Now, coincidentally, Cowboy State Politics has obtained some audio from the Laramie County Republican Party's most recent meeting. This was from an episode I did a long time ago last year. I just took a segment of it so you could listen to it. Now, in this first clip, you'll hear County Chairwoman Danny Olson lecturing the crowd on how they all need to be more Christ-like and they really just need to stop being such crappy Christians. Take a listen to this. Now, Chairwoman Olson is talking about one of Mike Enzi's famous rules. This rule was that 100% of us are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's Laramie County Chairwoman Danny Olson, by the way. And that 100% of the time, we need to treat each other like we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And when I look at this organization that I greatly care about, and I sacrifice so much time for, and I see it moving away from some of those values. It's very disheartening. So I am hoping that our party can start to move towards what the Honorable Enzi had envisioned and his philosophy 100% of the time be Christ-like. I wonder if that includes meeting your obligations, you know, doing what it is that you promised to do, like paying your shares. You know, that would be really great if all of us were to act more like Christ. I mean, I try I try each and every day, and each and every day I fail. But the problem that Chairwoman Olson is not seeing is that there are hypocrites in the world, and that number increases any time she steps into the room. <laughs> in this next piece of audio, one of the precinct people that is present at this Laramie County GOP meeting stands up directly after Chairman Olson finishes lecturing the crowd. I'll let you listen to what he has to say about how Christ-like Chairman Olson is being. You ought to be able to figure out what's happening in the video just from listening to it, but we'll play the clip and then we'll talk about it afterwards. However, I'm sorry to say, and if you bash me during your thing, I'll bash you. You paid $15,000 to your husband campaign. Pretty obvious what happened there, isn't it? Chair kind of. Actually, what happened is Chairman Danny Olson walked up to Ben Hornock and grabbed the microphone away from him so nobody else could hear what he had to say. And if you didn't catch it, he was he was telling the crowd that Danny Olson spent fifteen thousand dollars on Jared Olson's campaign, and yet the Laramie County GOP can't seem to pay their shares. Kind of hypocritical, wouldn't you say? But that was a year ago, and now I'd like you to hear something that happened two days ago. Tell me if you notice anything you know familiar. Um, statute defines what's made up, and it doesn't say if they pay their, their shares. Which the press, you know, you can never trust the press. They keep calling it dues and using that term as well. Dues are what you pay to an organization like Kiwanis Club or Rotary Club. Shares are something that are like that voluntary tax that was set up under the article. And 
I know Lorraine can give you that whole history because she was the chairman when they created those shares. Thank you, Lorraine. <laughs> um, so I know misused word, and I know the press regularly is using it incorrectly. All right, so now that includes my report, so we'll turn it over to Jack for voter registration. That's Ben Hornock. Just a, a question. In the bylaws, shares are called mandatory. So yes, that happened at a meeting that we weren't allowed to participate. So it seems like. All right, so going on with our report, we don't have any. Can Ben speak, please? In order to have discussion, there has to be motion. In order for there to be a motion, according to our bylaws, it has to be presented in advance. So not letting him speak yet again. Uh, it seems like if the state party is, uh, What's your question? is doing something to make it difficult for Laramie and Toronto County to attend, meaning they have to pay, wouldn't it be better then to pay our dues, to pay our state shares? Okay, so you get you get the whole point. She cuts him off again. And did you notice the similarities that Ben brings up the point about paying the shares and then Danny Olson immediately cuts him off? The only difference this time is she didn't run out and grab a microphone from him so he couldn't speak at all. Yeah, I mean, it was like listening to same exact video from last year. Same thing. I mean, and the truth is they just don't want to pay their bills. And they're not the only county. Laramie County and Natrona County both haven't paid their, their shares in quite some time. Natrona County owes around twenty five grand to the state party. And as you heard Representative-elect Ben Hornock say, in the bylaws, it says that these shares are mandatory. They're not optional. They're mandatory. If the Laramie County Republican Party wants to continue referring to themselves as the Laramie County Republican Party, then they need to pay their shares. That way they can, you know, I don't know, be part of the party, maybe. But this has been going on for three years, and it probably won't stop until Danny Olson is replaced as chairwoman. But honestly, watching all of these videos, she keeps a pretty firm grasp on the party because her, her husband, Representative Jared Olson, feeds her all of all of the statutes and everything she needs to thwart anything that, that comes out of all the precinct members. And if you watch the video, and I think you can find it on the Conservative Corner Facebook page, I think it's posted there. Um, but, but the point is, is that they're not going to pay. And the reason why they voted not to pay until after the 2024 election is so that maybe they'll be back in power in the state party. That's what it all boils down to. I was at one meeting in Evanston where Danny Olson pretty much cried in front of the group saying that they didn't have the money, that they were trying to raise the money, that they were, they were just trying their best. And at that meeting, the state party gave them a, an additional 90 days to pay their shares, of which, you know, of course they didn't pay them. And in 2022, they've only paid 15% of the shares that are owed. So this has been going on for a long time, and I doubt very seriously that it's going to stop. But the point is that it should. They should honor their agreements and they should pay what is owed. After the break, we've got one more topic. Apparently, we're going to do some clinical trials of the COVID vaccine. Huh, who would have thought? Test the vaccine. Too bad it's a little bit late. This segment of the program is brought to you by 307 Cowboy Fabrication. During the nine months of Wyoming winter, it's not just you that you need to be concerned about keeping warm. All of your livestock don't like the winter weather either. And one thing you can do for them is get them an animal shelter built for you by 307 Cowboy Fabrication. They build these shelters out of materials that are manufactured mostly in Wyoming. So give my friends a call, Bryce and Melody Reese. Their phone number is 307-441-1815. Trust me, you want to keep your cows nice and warm too. It's not just you you need to think about. That's 307 Cowboy Fabrication. 
And while you're out making sure that your cows just aren't absolutely miserable in this Wyoming winter weather, you should probably have a hat to keep those ears of yours warm. New Trend Hats has a wide variety of hats for both men and women. You should really go check them out. NewTrendHats.com. They're a Wyoming-based company in Kemmerer. They actually hold the patent on that cool hat that's got the ponytail hole in the back. So if you need a new hat, go check out NewTrendHats.com. And now, the conclusion to our program. From The Blaze, an article entitled Pfizer and Moderna will begin clinical trials to determine adverse heart risks from COVID-19 vaccines such as myocarditis, written on November 13th by Paul Saka, and I quote, The United States Food and Drug Administration issued an emergency use authorization for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine on December 11th, 2020. A week later, the FDA issued a U. EUA, Emergency Use use Authorization for for Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine. Now, nearly two years later, Pfizer and Moderna will launch clinical trials to track adverse health issues stemming from the COVID-19 vaccine, such as myocarditis, inflammation of the heart. Aaron? Yeah, so let's just now admit that sudden infant... or. Sudden adult syndrome is sudden, caused, sudden adult death syndrome is caused because of the vaccines that's been going on ever since they've been going or had the vaccines put out. Do you ever notice how they kept using the term safe and effective? You know where that comes from? About uh, a year and a half ago, I did an interview with Dr. David Earl Grave. He actually lives in Buffalo, but the guy's got a resume that's as long as your leg. It's actually seven pages, and it's not seven pages that are, you know, fluff like most people pad their resumes. This thing, this this resume of his is like director of nuclear medicine at NASA, director of nuclear medicine at Johns Hopkins University. And his last one The last thing listed on his resume is director of protocol at George Washington University. He was in charge of making sure that new drugs did all of their clinical trials. And he said that the term safe and effective, and you can can go back and listen to that episode. It's called uh, Questions You Should Be Asking. It's a great interview. But anyway, he said that the term safe and effective literally means that the drug has gone through all of the clinical trials. That, that the FDA has approved all of them, that they know what the risks are. You know, when you see one of those commercials and at the end of them, they tell you all the horrible things that could happen to you if you take this drug. Yep. Well, the way that they find those out is going through clinical trials. And the term safe and effective literally means that they completed those trials and the drug was approved. Not to mention Moderna has been running commercials about the vaccine, but they do not have the, they're not listing the, the side effects. That's because they don't know. They never, they never did the study. And, and that's, they're supposed to have that by law. Oh, now laws don't matter. No, you know not, that. Not to them. No. no. The article continues, quote, Pfizer is in the infancy of beginning clinical trials to determine if there are any health risks associated with their own vaccine. In a partnership with the Pediatric Heart Network, the trial will focus on vaccine recipients who have suffered heart issues following being jabbed with the COVID-19 vaccine. The clinical trials will monitor patients for five years. Hmm. <laughs> now, question. Do you think that this is going to come back and haunt Trump? That's what I've been thinking about ever since he got out of office. But, I mean, at the time, I guess, you know, it was a thing to do. And well, We didn't really know what, what to yeah, do, Yeah, we actually. didn't know what to do. And, you know, I'm on the fence about it. It's, uh, that's one thing that, you know, I'm not as much as I like Trump. That's one thing I don't like. Yeah, he, he pushed did. he pushed the vaccine. Like, But the, but the difference is he didn't mandate the, yeah, the vaccine. He didn't and mandate I think, it. I think that's where that's the a, sticking point is. That's a is. big deal. And, and I guarantee um, if he would have won, he would have mandated it 
with federal employees and we wouldn't be seeing the issues we're seeing within the military and federal law enforcement agencies, especially like Border Patrol, um, dro people dropping like flies because of they've got the vaccine. He, I mean, it would have been a mandatory deal. Well, in his speech the other night, he, he very clearly said that every person, every federal employee, service member, um, every single person that he could that was fired because of not, they didn't want to get the, the jab was going to be either rehired with back pay or they were going to re, be reimbursed for the time that they've been fired. So he was very clear about that. As they should. I mean, it's, I mean, I follow Border Patrol very closely and, and they are going through one heck of a time just with keeping where they had a lot of people leave because they don't want to get the vaccine and um, just between suicides and people quitting just because of how bad it is down there. And they got, they put into higher 15,000 agents, but that got turned down to um, for the IRS to have 87,000 agents. Yeah. Now there's something else we could talk about. What do you think those 87,000 agents are going to be doing? kicking in doors, you know, and all that stuff is, you know, the things I've seen, these are people that have no idea about anything, um, any, any kind of law enforcement background, or there's really no point in that. I mean, the tactical or agents from the IRS was, was created just because of the mob back in the thirties and forties. But nowadays, I mean, there's a lot more, so I just civilized. So I just did the math on those 87,000 agents. If you divide that by 50 states, that'll give you how many agents per state. And then in our case, you divide that by 23. That's how many counties we have. That's 75 IRS armed IRS agents, by the way, per county. What do you suppose they're going to be doing all 75 of them? Collecting a check. Big time, man. They're going to be combing through every single thing that you've ever done with your checkbook. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. I mean, well, it doesn't really shock me that the federal government would hire a whole bunch of IRS agents. What does shock me, however, is the amount that they're, or the, the lengths at which they're willing to go to, to enforce their, uh, their agenda on the American people. And let's be honest, you know, if, if you've got control over somebody's checkbook, you can make them pretty much do anything that you want. I mean, Man, if, you, if a guy can't eat, he's going to do anything that he can to get food. And I think this is exactly what that is. I mean, they're going to be auditing everything that they possibly can. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, now that you mentioned that, I mean, I heard yesterday um, Canada passed their euthanasia law. Um, and they had a... That thing is horrible. They had a sound bit of a guy on there. He had um, very low income living off the government. And he had back pain. But obviously, they're socialists. Um Healthcare wasn't taken. Oh, you're wrong. That socialist socialist healthcare is fabulous <laughs> to, to help him, you know, help him fix that. So he has gone through the actual process to commit suicide because he doesn't because he can't afford to live in his apartment and he doesn't want to be homeless. So that's, you know, I think that's just that, you know, we're seeing with that pushing all the, um, with the IRS, you know, just getting people in such bad situations where, you know, they're just basically killing people off. Yeah. If you can control the food, you can control everybody else. Now, one thing, one thing I'd like to bring up before I let you go for today's program is on Saturday, there's going to be a vote for the house leadership in the state of Wyoming. And it's going to happen in Casper, Wyoming. Now you've got two choices. You've got Mark Jennings, who is by all measure, the conservatives conservative. Uh, Mark is a great guy. And full disclosure, he happens to be my minister. I know him very, very well. He's a good man. Well, the guy that's running against him is named Albert Somers. Albert Somers is exactly the opposite of everything that Mark Jennings is. He's not a conservative. In fact, he's probably, well, he not probably is. He is one of the most liberal legislators in the state of Wyoming. Just to give you a, a couple of stats on him, he votes with the Democrats 84% of the time. 86% of the time, he will vote to spend money. I mean, this guy is responsible for keeping pro-life legislation in the drawer. And you name it, every conservative bill that we've wanted to get passed in the state of Wyoming has been a fight with Albert Somers. The uh, uh, Fairness in Women's Sports Act, 
The reason that didn't hit the floor was Albert Somers. He tried to keep it from hitting the floor, which is why the conservatives had to bring it out of his drawer and force a vote on it. So we have a very important vote coming up Saturday. And you know, if, if Mark Jennings is elected, we're going to see a lot of things change in the state of Wyoming. We might even have a, have a chance at fixing some of the education problems that our state is facing right now. Education funding, the, uh, the pornography that's in schools, the, uh, the gender identity and critical race theory that is being taught in Wyoming schools, no matter what the Wyoming Education Association says. So it's a very important vote. And if you haven't contacted your legislator and told them to vote for Mark Jennings, you need to do that. Call them, email them, make sure they know what, what you want them to do. Now, we started the program talking about Senator Kinski being responsive to what his constituents wanted him to do. There's no reason why your legislator shouldn't do the same thing. So you need to call them, you need to email them, and you need to make, make your voice known. Aaron, I really appreciate you giving me, giving me a call this morning. Even though you're snowed in in Buffalo, Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, and thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been fun. Oh, now, yeah. you can listen to Cowboy State Politics. New episodes are posted every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And of course, the live episode that you're listening to right now, every Thursday morning beginning at 10 a.m. Aaron, thank you again. Yeah, for, thank you. That'll do it for this installment of Cowboy State Politics. From the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is Cowboy State Politics.